Hey, welcome to the Road.TV Sermon Podcast. In today's episode, Pastor Rick kicks off our marriage series entitled Before and After. Speaking from a very unique perspective on relationships, Pastor Rick brings some practical truths for our personal journey to defining and growing in our relationships. Whether single or navigating modern relationships, this message offers valuable insight on wise decisions, commitment, and the spiritual aspects of marriage. Now, let's dive into this first message in our series as Pastor Rick talks relationships and choices. Well, good morning. If you are joining us online, thank you for making the choice to worship at the road. We're starting our marriage series before and after today. So grab a Bible or a phone and open to Genesis chapter 2. And uh, we start most of our marriage series in Genesis chapter 2, so it's easy for men to find that, okay? It's like turn one page in your Bible to Genesis chapter 2. If you were born after 1995, you have most likely never burned a song onto a CD. You never had a roll of camera film developed. You probably don't know who Johnny Carson is, and this is the one that kills me, right? You never saw Larry Bird play or Michael Jordan. Never a time in your life when you didn't have a microwave, a TV remote, or a cell phone if you were born after 1995. If you were born after 1995, I love this one because we lived this. You never had to get off the phone to get on the internet. (laughs) Born after 1995, there's never been a time in your life when you didn't wear a seatbelt. How many of you drove a car that didn't even have seatbelt? All right. You're born after 1995, Kansas, Chicago, Boston, and Alabama are all places you go, not bands you listen to. You missed this if you were born after 1995. Where's the beef? Oh, yeah. I'd walk a mile for a camel. And I love this one. Deplane, deplane. Life's a lot different for those people who are under 30. The biggest area of difference, though, is the area of relationships and marriage. Uh, some crazy things are true in our world. Uh, in 1960, 72% of all Americans over the age of 18 were married. And 2022, only 45% were married. In America right now, half of all first-time marriages end in divorce. 67% of second marriages and 74% of third marriages will end in divorce. The average length of a marriage in the United States today is eight years. Eight years. Uh, 57% of couples who did not live together before they were married had marriages that lasted more than 20 years. 46% of those who did live together had marriages that lasted more than 20 years. If you have friends who pursue divorce, you're 75% more likely to pursue one yourself. That is astounding. 66% of men and 74% of women looking back on their marriages say their partners should have worked harder to save their marriage. 72%, three quarters of all people who got married reported that they did not understand the level of commitment necessary to make a marriage work or that their partner would change over the years and they could not live with the change. Three quarters of people. It's not just young people either because we get, we get into that, right? Those young people, listen to this. If you're between 55 and 64, 46% of you will get divorced. 65 to 74, 39%, and over 75, which is unreal to me, 
you made it that long. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> right? Wow. The religion with the highest divorce rate, welcome to it, you are it. Evangelical Protestants. One in seven Americans that are married right now are unhappy. One in seven. Listen to this. One in, over one in 10, 11% of people married now will tell you that they don't even think their partner likes them. Right? 38% are saying, I am only staying in this because I feel obligated to. 19%, one in five are going, there's no love left. Now, all oh, that's startling. This is what really gets you. The largest group, demographic group, that responded to that survey have been married less than five years. All right? Let me recap that for you. I've been married to you five years and I can't stand you. What? I've been married five years or three years or two years and the only reason I'm staying is I feel obligated. I've been married less than five years and all the love is gone. That wasn't God's design. Um, we're beginning this series called Before and After, and there will be something for everyone in this series. So uh, we start today with Before You Say I Do. So if you are single, for whatever reason, if you are single, this is for you. If you're raising kids, this is for you. If you've got adult kids, this is for you. This is for you. Next week, it's after you say I do. How do I make this thing work once I'm in? The third week is before you say I quit. And the truth is, you're probably going to want to at some point. Not, not because of the sermon series, but... <laughs> And the last one is this. The last one is after it's all over and realize it can end for multiple reasons. It can end because of a death. It can end because of a divorce. And we're going to talk about all of it. Um, there's something for everybody here. Um, and here, here's the simple reason why. It doesn't matter if you're 16 and single or 65 and single. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be loved. doesn't matter what your age is. You, you never run out of that. I want to be romanced by someone ever and, and we can own that right it's okay to look at your life and go I would like somebody because I believe with all my heart God made us that way that God made us to be loved by him and by other people and the second greatest relationship outside of our marriage of our relationship with God is our marriage so it's okay to say I'm 70 and I'm ready right I would love to still be in a relationship. So uh, Genesis chapter 2, read with me if you will, verse 18, and then we're going to go to verse 21. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There's one other verse I want to leave you with today. Uh, Proverbs 18.22 says this. A man who finds a wife finds a good thing. Every married man in the room should have said amen at that point. Yeah. So to keep this afternoon from being really long for you, I'm going to read that again and give you the chance. The Word of God says... 
he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Is that not a great verse? Let's pray. Father, I ask that you teach us today. Uh, give us uh, soft hearts. Father, um, let us be hungry. Uh, let us, let us if, Father, if, if singlehood is not part of our life, then, Father, let us be asking the question, who, who can I pass this on to? We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So before you say I do, make sure you're making wise decisions. Um, do not hope for a blessed marriage. Choose a blessed marriage. Just like everything else in life, nothing just happens. You're not that lucky. You're not lucky enough just to start losing weight. You're not lucky enough just to get rich. And you're not lucky enough just to have a good marriage. We choose those things. We pursue those things. So in our lives, we make decisions that the end result of are a good marriage. And our problem is, I want to make my own decisions, and then I want to pray that God will bless them. Think about your life. I want to live where I want to live, and then I pray God make it all work. I want to work where I want to work. I want to pray God it all work. I want to date or marry who I want to date or marry, and then I will ask God to put his stamp of approval on it after I've already made the decision. We live life backwards, and then we ask for God to bless the outcome. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It is difficult to start wrong and finish right. Now, it's not impossible. We're going to talk about that before we end. But I'm just going to tell you, it's a lot harder when you start wrong to finish right. Uh, as a matter of fact, how you start may be the most important decision you ever make in your life outside of your relationship with God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He'll make your paths straight. In all of our life, those words have such great application to pursuing marriage and making a wise choice, which leads us to this. Make decisions. Write this down. This is one of the best statements ever. Make decisions for your heart, not with your heart. Make decisions for your heart, not with your heart. And I got three things I want to tell you about it. Number one, don't trust your heart. Don't trust your heart. Jeremiah 17.9, most of you are going to know it. I'm going to say it with you, and then, then I'm going to ask you to repeat it back to me a couple of times. The heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? So I want you to look at me, and I want you to say this. My heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? So now i got a question for you. How many people did you fall in love with before you got married? Okay, I want you to get that number in your head. Right, so here's what statisticians will tell you. Somewhere between two and seven. I'm going to tell you, if you fell in love seven times before you got married, come talk to one of our pastors, right? <laughs> Seven's a lot. How many times did you fall in love? And then I want you to look at the person beside you or in front of you or behind you and tell them, I fell in love, and you tell them. Maybe it's once, maybe it's seven. Tell somebody how many times you fell in love before you got married. Yeah. It's going to make for some interesting lunch conversations, what this is going to make for. Okay, look back up here at me. I fell in love three times before I got married to my first wife who passed away. That's the three women who knew I fell in love with them, right? There was a number of women I was like, oh, from afar. But three women, 
that knew I fell in love with them and I begged and cried and pleaded with God, please let me have them, please let me have them. Oh God, please make it work. And I am so glad. God said, no. Do you know why I'm so glad? Because your heart will deceive you. It'll make you make wrong choices, not just about people, but about lots of things in life. And if we can't trust our heart, right? So, so and, and again, you say, well, pastor, what if we're following Jesus? The flip side of this is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. If you can't trust your heart, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the balance point. But here's the truth. So many of us don't. So many of us out there just trying to live life and then get God's stamp on it after we make our decisions. So the biggest decision in your life outside your relationship with God is marriage. Do you want to trust that decision to something that God's word says is going to deceive you? Make you want what is not good for you. Make you excuse evil things in your own life. Think about it. Think about all the things you've done. And you went, whoa, well, my heart says it's okay. No. We need something bigger than our heart to guide us through life. What is it? It's God's word. It is the truth and the wisdom of God's word. So not only do we not trust our heart, but number two, we guard our heart. We guard our heart. Proverbs 4.23, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. Of all the things you want to protect, make your heart a priority. Your heart can fall in love with all kinds of wrong things, not just people. Because if you're here and you're thinking, man, I'm checked out on this message. Listen, our hearts lead us to fall in love with wrong things all the time, not just people. But people are a part of that, most importantly, people. So guard your heart, and how do you do that? Well, the third thing is we got our heart. So beside the statement, and write this down, teach it to your kids, you make decisions for your heart, not with your heart, write this verse. Proverbs 23, 19. Listen, my son, and be wise, and direct your heart in the way. Don't do Just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Oh, we know the heart can be really deceitful. How about direct your heart? Tell your heart where your heart is going and what your heart will desire. If you're in a relationship and you're contemplating a relationship, you need to ask yourself this question. Did the wisdom of God guide me to this place, to this person? Did God get me here? Make wise decisions. Number two, these are the foundational issues before we get into the specific ones. Before you say I do, make sure you're spiritually equal. Spiritually equal. Um, a successful marriage happens when two people are equally yoked. And that word yoked, it, nobody uses that word. I'll try to explain it to you in a minute. But it comes out of 2 Corinthians 6.14 where the scripture says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? It goes on to say, you know, don't be unequally yoked. So, so what is yoking? Yoking is a cultural word that the people of Paul's generation would have been used to seeing. It had to do with agricultural life, uh, just modes of transportation. A yoke is a wooden device that fits over two animals' necks. It has a wooden U that goes under their neck and a big old bar that goes across the back of their neck. And it yokes them together so their strength can be multiplied. Listen to this. So their strength can be multiplied so that they're working in the same direction. Now, typically... It's a yoke of oxen. Two big old giant 
oxen. You put this thing over their head and the work is half and the outcome is multiplied. And they're pulling in the same direction and all is good. But what if you were to take and put one side of that yoke on an oxen and the other side on a donkey? Right? A little donkey, right? Every time the op- oxen takes a step, the donkey's neck's going to get yanked. And it's going to hurt. It's going to be uncomfortable and unpleasant. We're not multiplying outcomes now. We're reducing outcomes. Impact is lessened. And every time the donkey takes a step, the auction does this. It gets pulled down. Nobody wins. Why? They are unequally yoked. They need to be the same height. It's two donkeys or two oxen. And by the way, we're not eventually going to get to decide whether you're the oxen or the donkey. Uh, The point is this. The point is, spiritually, we yoke, when we get married, we yoke ourselves to someone. We want to be on the same level. That's the best way to understand it. We want to be on the same level. We want the man and the woman to be yoked, pulling, multiplied outcome, minimized work. And when you're not yoked equally, look at me, it's misery. It's misery. And you could talk to people all over this auditorium who've lived the unequally yoked life and they would tell you, make a better decision from the beginning. Make a better decision from the beginning. So we choose uh, decision, uh, people, relationships where we are equally yoked. So how do you know if you're equally yoked? Pastor, I'm single. I, I want this. So I'm out there and I'm dating. What does that look like for me? Well, you ask someone this question. What does it mean to you to be a follower of Jesus Christ? You don't ask them, do you go to church? Because everybody goes to church. You don't ask them if they've been baptized. Because in Oklahoma, at some point in everybody's life, they got sprinkled, dunked, or something, right? But when you ask that question, how do you define what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ? God, it would be such an odd, hard question to ask. No, it's not hard. We just got life backwards. We can put our hands all over somebody, make out with somebody, swap spit with somebody, but cannot look at them and ask them about their spiritual relationship. What happened to us? Where did we turn our relational paradigm upside down? Where we're so comfortable doing anything physically and so uncomfortable talking about what we should be comfortable talking about. So we asked them, what is it? How do you define what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Well, at my church, we learn about Jesus in order to live like Jesus so we can lead other people to Jesus. That's how we define discipleship. We do that by spending time in God's Word every day. How do you do it? Now, make sure you don't misunderstand me. I'm not looking for the exact same definition. I'm just looking for a plan. What's your plan? What's your plan? Because I need you to have a plan. If we're going to be together, male or female, I need you to have a plan where we're growing in our relationship With God. And then the second thing nobody ever talks about, but as pastors, we see this often, is don't be a spiritual mismatch. What is a spiritual mismatch? So spiritual mismatch is this. Uh, He wants to go in the ministry. She ain't got no desire for the ministry. She wants to go to the mission field. He ain't got no desire, right? So she's, one of you are wanting to go and live in a grass hut and eat the foods that, uh, that a native tribe eats for the privilege, the high calling of sharing Jesus with them. And that's how you, that's your end goal with Jesus. The other of you is like, I just want to sit on that cushy chair and listen to Pastor Rick. We're mismatched. 
And somebody, somebody's going to hurt. We're pulling in different directions. So make sure that foundational to your relationship that you have matched well on issues of faith, spiritual maturity, and spiritual desire. And I will say it one more time. To be unequally yoked even to someone in the family of God is misery. It is misery. So I'm going to talk specifically to men and women for just a second. Women, before you say I do, make sure you have chosen a man. Uh, Because the biggest mistake a lot of women make is they choose a boy because boys are fun. Hoping they'll turn into a man. And look at me. They seldom do. They seldom do. If a man isn't a man when you choose him, it's highly unlikely that he'll become a man when you marry him. Uh, if someone else is paying his bills, bringing him his breakfast, right, honey? Here's your oatmeal. Here's your clean clothes for the day, right? Have you paid all your bills this month? I'm just checking, honey, because I love you and I worry about you. I'm just checking, right? Okay, all right. And you marry him, that now becomes your job. He's going to look at you and go, where's my oatmeal? Because mama had cinnamon and brown sugar on it when she brought it to me. (laughs) Did you pay the bills this month? No, I didn't because mama always reminded me. You just became mama. So you make sure, you make sure that you have chosen a man. And a man does three things. Here they are. Number one, a man leads. A man leads. A man determines the path and direction for his family. If you, if you seek a godly marriage, then choose a godly man who will lead his wife and children in a direction that moves them closer to God. And if a man has not chosen that direction for his life, choose another man. If you are single, I am saving you a world of grief. If that is your desire to pursue God and the man you are with is not leading you to do that, choose another man. While you can. While you can. Choose a man who will lead you because if he is not chasing God when he met you, it is highly unlikely he will not chase God when he marries you. Number two, a man protects. I love this one. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4. Uh, the Song of Solomon's about the Shulamite bride and, and Solomon. And the Shulamite bride was in an abusive, dysfunctional family. Uh, if you read the first chapter, they, they sent her to do work. She should have never been done. Uh, she talked about how rough that had been on her physical body, uh, that she was not protected, nor was she cared for by people she should have been protected and cared for by. And there will be a lot of people's story here. Right, the people that should have loved me didn't. The people that should have protected me didn't. And I met a king. And he picked me up out of that family. And he said, I'm going to marry you. And you no longer live under their banner. You live under my banner. And woe be to the man that ever lays a hand on you. And she sings this song where she's going, his banner over me is love. What she's saying is, nobody will ever hurt me again. Nobody will ever lay a hand on me again. Nobody will ever abuse me again. You see, the banner in our world represents the flag. When you go out to war, the flag goes in front of you because you're fighting for something. If somebody comes over here or you go to another country and they kidnap you, you live under the banner of the United States of America. Somebody should come and get you. Not always happen, but somebody should. 
what she's saying is, I have a flag I live under, and it's a king's flag, and you better not lay a hand on me because he will come get you. Okay, now listen to me. We live in a world, if you have not recognized it yet, where this world will hurt your wife and will hurt your kids. I I cannot put enough emphasis on that at all. This is not a friendly place anymore. And we need some men, make sure you hear all of this, who will become spiritually violent. Right? It's that old saying, what keeps bad men in line? It's good men who know how to be violent. We need some men who will stand up and say, I will go to war for my wife. You best not lay a hand on her. I will go to war for my kids spiritually. My job is to protect. And I take my job seriously. Third thing, according to Scripture, a man is to provide for his family. 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially those of his household, he's denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. A man provides for not only the financial needs of his family's life, but for their emotional needs or spiritual needs. And this is where this gets really difficult because men have come up thinking that their major responsibility is financial. Hey, I paid the bills this month. I did what I was supposed to do. The rest of it is on you. No, a man's responsibility is to meet the needs of his family. Emotional needs, spiritual needs, and physical needs. Last thing for a woman. Make sure your relationship's pure. This responsibility is not solely the responsibility of the woman, but I need you to hear something if you are a woman. Men are reluctant to marry uh, women who will give them the joy of marriage without the responsibility of marriage. I'll say it a simpler way. You can't play house with a boy and expect him to be a man when you marry him. By God's design, sex is to be saved for the bond of marriage. Kevin Thompson writes a blog out of Fort Smith, Arkansas. He wrote this to women. He said, if you, want, if you want me, get a job. If you want me, move out of your parents' house. If you want me, date me at least a year so I can see every aspect of your life. If you want me, be a spiritual leader. If you want me, use your God-given strength to help somebody. If you want me, stop looking at other women. If you want me, stop flirting with other women. If you want me, prepare yourself to be financially stable. If you want me, make God your top priority and me right after that. If you want me, just be a man. Just be a man. To men, before you say I do, uh, make sure you can take care of yourself. It's a, it's a huge statement, but we live in a, a world where men are prone to, uh, to live in adolescence perpetually. It's called Peter Pan syndrome. Boys who never grow up. Uh, and that, that you can be 40 and not be grown, 50 and not be grown. Um, and, and you want to make sure, uh, as a man, if you're pursuing God, that you've grown up. That you're paying your own bills. You're taking care of yourself. You're charting your own spiritual course for your life, right? Your wife doesn't have to look at you or your girlfriend and go, did you do your BRP today? Right? No, no. You want to be looking at your family and go, hey, did you guys? Did you guys spend some time in God's Word today? Because I'm leading you. I'm not being led. I'm leading you. And a man, a man disciplines his life for long-term goals. Um, and so the, if, if I'm out there 
and I'm single and I'm going, Pastor, these are great things. How do I know if they're happening? If I'm a man or if I'm a woman, whoever I am, how do I know if these? Because they were happening before you met the person. Right? They didn't show up to the marriage series, listen for and decide, oh, yeah, this is what I should be doing. I'll start now. It's okay for us to keep dating. Now, they were happening before you chose them because you're making wise decisions. Make God your priority. If God is not your priority before you marry, it's really difficult to make God your priority after you marry. Uh, likewise, women recognize that you can't make a man love God. A man loves God because that's where his heart is, and a man will fake a love of God to get you. Never been to church a day in his life, but you're a beautiful young woman. He goes, I'll go, I'll go to church with you. Absolutely, every Sunday. Hallelujah. <laughs> understand, look, understand, and I'm all, am I already over on this message? Okay, all right, never mind, I'll go on. Um, if you're part of this spiritual community, if you're part of this spiritual community and you're single, I believe with all my heart that it's part of our job to help you find someone that meets the standards set forth by God to help you spend your life with. Let us help you. Let us help you. But understand, when, when we get together and we're helping that, that we're going to have some hard questions for you. That we're not just taking your word for it. We're going to want to see your journal. I'm going to want to know you're with, with God where you're telling me you're with God before we present you to somebody else who's already on that journey. But let us help you. Final word. Final word. Uh, trust God. If you're single and you believe God's going to take you to heaven and you have no doubt about that, why don't you believe that God can bring somebody to your life and have no doubt about that too? Always crazy. If I was an unbeliever, I'd be hanging Christians up all day. You believe God's going to take you to heaven, but you don't think he can meet the daily needs of your life? You don't think he can give you a job? You don't think he can bring a mate to your life? It sounds to me like you really don't believe. Because you can't hardly believe the greater if you don't believe the lesser. Just rest in it, okay? Rest in it and understand God loves you and God does have a plan for your life. And lastly... If you are here and you'd say, Pastor, none of this was true for us. We lived together. We made every possible wrong decision we can make. And now we're married. And I'm just wondering, is he going to leave me today? Right? No. Start where you are. This, this is the incredible good news about the gospel. It changes everything. God does want, no matter where you started... He knows where he wants you to end. And you start where you are. You build that spiritual foundation. You start spending time in God's word. Men, you start leading your family if that's where you are because there's a reason the gospel's called the good news. Would you bow your heads with me? It is tough in this world. And if I was a parent, I am a parent. I'm a parent of adult kids and grandkids. I'll be honest with you. It's scary what they have to go through. How in the world do you find somebody who loves Jesus in this world? Uh, how in the world are our grandkids? And, and, and I'm just going to encourage our parents today. Man, we need to be going to God. We need to be going to God right now for what the future for our children look like. How we can lead them well. And, and if the average length of a marriage is eight years, there are people in this service today who are barely holding on. Barely holding on. And you need to let us pray for you today. 
And, and to me, the thought of a loveless marriage is one of the most horrible thoughts ever. Let us pray with you that God will restore the years the locusts have eaten. That if he can take us to heaven, he can put passion and love back in a marriage. And if you're single, man, I was single until I was 28. And then I was single again after my wife passed away at the age of 44. If you're single, it can get really lonely. You can feel abandoned. I'm going to tell you, God loves you today. And so do we. Let us come alongside of you. Let us love you. Let us help you find somebody. If you're here today and life's falling apart at the wheels, maybe you need Jesus, right? As humans, we try everything else before we ever get to Jesus. Maybe today's the day you go, I need Jesus. Looking for a church home? And God has led you here. This is your opportunity to make that decision. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for what you have done, what you have given us. And God, um, I pray that you would give us the freedom, Father, for husbands to take the wives, their hands, and say, hey, let's go pray a blessing on our marriage. Let's go pray God's favor on our marriage. Let's deal with our stuff. And Father, not to worry about what anybody thinks because, God, this is important. We want the best you have to give us. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.